I'm Julie Hyde, and I believe you can't be a leader of others until you are a leader of self. It all starts with leading you. So if you are ready to be the best leader that you can be, you're in the right place. I'll be chatting to a diverse range of leaders who will spill the beans on their leadership, how they changed the game, insights into their mindset, and how they built the courage and resilience to be a modern leader with impact. Let's get into it. With me today is Shivani Gopal, and she is a passionate feminist, serial entrepreneur, and finance expert on a mission to create a more equal world. She's the founder and CEO of Aladex, which is an app helping people to level up in every sense, personally, professionally, and financially. And she's the co-founder of Upstreet. Shivani has won the 2022 New South Wales Excellence in Women's Leadership Award and the Top 50 Small Business Leaders Award. She's recognised as a leading feminist and business thought leader, helping women navigate through their careers, businesses and financial success. Welcome, Shivani. Thank you, Julie. It's so lovely to be here. I'm really, really looking forward to delving into our chat today. But I'd like to start with this question, which is, if you were the leader of the world for a day, what would be the one thing you would change and why? I just want to applaud you on such a deep question. I have done so many podcasts and I have never been asked this question before. And I'm really thinking here for a second, but I think if I was the leader of the world for a day, the thing that I would change is access to resource access to opportunity. There is this uh, saying, and, and we know this, there is enough food in the world to feed the entire population. It's just not in the right places. Mm. And that's really unfortunate that we have so many people around the world who are starving for food, starving for nutrition. And you know, food and water, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Shelter, food, water, these are the most important things just for sheer survival. And so if I think about it, you know, access and opportunity, the equality of access and opportunity, those are the things that I would change because if you change that, then you change everything else as well. Access and opportunity to education, access and equal opportunity to, you know, promotions, to the ability to, you know, connect with another person, the ability to get access to capital. You know, as a female founder, for example, there is a saying that is, you know, oh, the world is awash with VC capital right now. You know, there's lots of money slushing around there. But is there equal opportunity and access to that mm-hmm. capital? And there isn't. We know that women only get 3% of the world's VC funding. So there's a lot of good stuff that is out there in the world, but the inequity that is there the injustice around the lack of opportunity and access is really where the problem lies. And so that is where I would hunker down and try to make an impact. You're so right. There's so much to go around and feed or support everyone, but it's not in the right places and particularly where people most need it. And it's just, you know, really shines a light on the inequality in the world. So I think if you focused on that, you'd have a lot of people voting for you. (laughs) I'd love to take you back, or if you could take us back a little bit to our early years, 
and um, just share a little bit about your story because, you know, you made quite a big change in your life and I'd love to understand where that courage to make the change came from. I think role models are so important, Julie, because for me, I've always had really passionate, strong role models who've never feared to stand up for themselves or to voice their opinions and what's important to them. And that role modeling meant that I always, I guess, had an inbuilt courage compass. You know, oh, something's feeling a little bit unstable for me. Something is 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 within me that wants to come out and stand up for myself. Well, I'm going to go ahead and do that. And I've always, I guess, had this, you know, courage compass of actually standing up for areas where I thought that injustice was being played out particularly when it came to the rights of women and girls. And so, of course, you know, back then I didn't know the word feminism existed, but I was, you know, a very young feminist, you know, uh, society would often tell me, I say society in inverted commas, I come from closely in an Indian community where you get thrown around this term a lot, which is society. What's society going to say? What's people going to say? And, you know, society would say to me that as a girl, I should not and could not behave a certain way. And sometimes it was seemingly well-meaning aunts and uncles. You know, I'd be wearing a skirt and I would just go flop on the couch and I would just flail my legs, you know, all around in the air and I'd go, Shani's a girl, you shouldn't do that. Always sit with your legs, you know, tightly crossed. And I'd always say, well, why don't you tell the boys to do that? If the boys don't have to do it, then the girls don't have to do it either. And, you know, so that sense of body autonomy of me making my own decisions on how I was going to rest myself, right, all the way through to how we would speak and we would interact with each other. You know, why was it that I was getting the messages that I needed to be quiet, I needed to be sweet, I should not be answering back, I should not be argumentative, Mm -hmm. but the boys weren't being given those messages. And to me, these were really incredible, strong attributes. I loved challenging these concepts and in challenging that, I ended up becoming, you know, a feminist. I ended up becoming a crusader for the rights of, of women and girls. And it gave me, again, that inner compass. Not to say that that didn't break down from time to time in my life. It's not always a straight line in terms of, you know, our journey. But certainly when I was then hit with some really challenging times in my life, Julie, I think you know that, you know, I had an early marriage. And when I was still particularly young, I was 24 years old and you know, going down this path of navigating a divorce all on my own without the support of anyone that I knew, I tapped back into that old childhood courage. And I think courage is also something that is linked to your sense of worthiness. If you feel loved, if you feel worthy of love, then you will take the step to stand up for yourself and you will tap into your courage and you will find courage somewhere because you deserve it. And by tapping into that, you're able to cross the chasm. You're able to cross that bridge to the other side where a better life, a more balanced life, you know, a justifiable life is waiting there for you. Mm. Well, it sounds like you've had just this innate sense of curiosity in terms of challenging. It's like, why is this happening? Why? I know lots of children do ask that question constantly, you know, the whys. You really took that on and connected that to your courage to really stand up for what you wanted. I really, I I so admire that. And now you are the role model for women who I suppose are trying to break through that perceived glass ceiling and have a voice and to step up and get what they want. 
And in doing that, I do see a lot of women really struggling with doing that. You know, there's a fear behind upsetting people, doing the wrong thing, being perceived as, you know, a bitch or that need to be perfect, you know, stop so many achieving what they want to achieve. Yeah, there's a lot of that out there and that's incredibly sad. And I think a lot of that does come down to our early childhood experiences and how we've been socialised, you know, what we are rewarded for. And we are rewarded for being, you know, the nice girls. And if, if that's the case and you're not standing up for yourself, you're not putting your hand up and asking for a promotion, it does mean that you miss out. And so often you do need to back yourself. Now, I've been really careful when I say that because I also feel like we – lay the blame on women in that case as to why we're not getting ahead. And that's actually not entirely the case. You know, women are also asking for pay rises in equal amounts to men, but we're actually not getting it as often. And when society keeps giving you a certain message, people often start complying with that message and go, well, what's the workaround? Okay, well, maybe I don't really want to take that job. You know what? Maybe it's too high pressure anyway. Maybe it's too much stress. And maybe I do want a little bit of work-life balance. And so, what people end up doing is they end up synthesizing their own happiness and sort of adjusting and making do and resettling for something else and convincing themselves that that is what they really wanted because there is just so many invisible barriers. And we've done some research around this in Elodex and we found that, you know, in corporate Australia, We as a nation have gotten diversity right because we focus solely on that, but we have not gotten inclusion right. We don't have women included in areas of power, influence and authority. That's where the problem lies. So it's not just on women where they're feeling a lack of confidence and so therefore, you know, they are the masters of their own destiny or demise of their careers if if their careers aren't working out. It's also the system and the system, as a system, we need to make sure that we have enough places for women. And there are a couple of ways in which we can do this. Recently, for example, I was a official delegate at the G20 Startup Summit in India. India has the current presidency. And, and this is a good example of, you know, how can you create more seats at the table for women? And how can we move and shake and agitate for this to happen? And so I was given this position and I then reached out to the president over there and and said, look, you know, there are other incredible women in my ecosystem who can really contribute in these three, in these areas. And so I'd like to nominate them and I'd like to put them forward to also be official delegates. And lo and behold, we made it happen. You know, advocating for them didn't take away from my place in the delegation, but it did mean that I was able to create more places for women. And I think that is so incredibly important. But if I was to reflect on, you know, some of the things that you were saying you know, Julie, on, you know, how women can actually, you know, break through this perceived glass ceiling. I think it is just so important that you have a network around you that can support you and pull you up and, and do, you know, a little bit of a little bit of what I did. And that network may mentor you. And if they mentor you, then as a result, you're going to have someone who is giving you their experiences and also backing you and believing in you. And by hearing those messages enough, you are training yourself, you are priming your mind for success. Those mentors end up turning into powerful sponsors as well. And Mm. if you then get sponsored into, you know, new positions as well. And also what you need to keep doing is Mm. you need to keep tapping into learning and inspiration 
Because the more you learn, the more inspired you'll be. The more inspired you are, the more capable you'll feel. The more capable you'll feel, the more motivated you'll feel to go out and get that new role. And so by doing that, you will consistently be feeding your soul and nourishing your ability for your future success. I feel there was a lot in that and I'd love to tap back into diversity and inclusion. I think a lot of people mistake diversity and inclusion to be the same thing, whereas they're not the same thing. It's incredibly different. There's a great quote. It's not my own and I'll need to find who to credit to so we can put it in your episode notes, Julie. But, you know, diversity is inviting a whole bunch of different people to your house for dinner. Inclusion is inviting them to dance. And I thought that was, you know, really quite powerful because diversity in, you know, in corporate Australia is you just open the doors, you know, and you end up getting a whole bunch of women and people of colour into your organisation and that's fantastic. But are they really seen and heard? Is their impact really felt? Can their magic be felt in the room? So hence that dance analogy. And, you know, can they make an impact and if they, if they can't, then you really don't have inclusion. You simply have diversity. So to think about your measurement for inclusion, you know, do a litmus test on how many women and people of colour you have in roles of influence, leadership and authority. Is there a budget? Is there a P&L attached to these roles? Do they feel supported to speak up? And do they have a sense of agency? If they don't, there is no genuine inclusion. You have not asked for their opinion meaningfully. Mm. You have simply done a big tick around diversity. And I think we're in a time in, in our lives right now in Australia, if you think about you know, what's happening in, in, in our political landscape at the moment, where the voice is a really good example of inclusion, right? So that nod to diversity is where you know so many organisations are trying to bring on an Indigenous voice where they have someone from an Indigenous background who is part of an advisory board or part of their board or part of a leadership role. Whilst that's great, you know, will one person alone have the influence and authority to really swing any opinion or to to really feel like they've got an, uh, the agency of impact? Now, the voice actually changes that to genuine inclusion where we're not just inviting Indigenous people in the room, we are including them with a sense of authority and influence and asking mm. for their opinions. Those opinions are then recorded. And if you were going to ignore those opinions, then, you know, as per the referendum, it's, you know, you've got to answer for that, right? That is some genuine influence right there. That is genuine inclusion, not just saying, hey, we'll include you in the room, which, yeah. which would be diversity. We are asking for your opinion, and your opinion matters, it will be heard, we will pause, and we'll see if we can act on it. Wherever possible, we will. That's inclusion. Yes, that's so well explained, Shivani. Thank you. And um, I worked in corporate for 21 years in a very male-dominated industry, as I know you did as well. What are some of, like, the key things that you think needs to happen? Because that's what you've explained is sort of like how we would do this. But what, what are like some of the systemic things that would have to change in an organisation to actually make that happen? Or do you think it is very much, you know, determined on the top and that's got to sort of influence down or can it be a groundswell of support for what people are really wanting to see in organisations, which can sometimes be a big challenge? It's, it's a great question because 
Diversity happens from the bottom up. Inclusion happens from the top down. Mm, okay. You cannot create a space for inclusion without the people who are already in a position of power, authority or influence to structurally remove glass ceilings, structurally remove perceived barriers that are stopping people from really having their voice heard and their impact felt. And so that does need to happen from the top down where, you know, there are things like targets and quotas. There are things like, you know, greater levels of flexibility of, you know, workplace solutions. There are greater levels of surveying that's that's actually happening throughout the organisation. Where you actually have more people who are from diverse backgrounds who are genuinely included and where your organisation makes a commitment to inclusion, people will feel a lot more safer when it comes to their workplace psychological safety, their ability to take risks, their ability to innovate, to be creative, and their also, you know, their, their overall workplace morale. But those things can't happen from a groundswell. You know, inclusion needs to happen where, for example, you've got a vulnerable person and then you've got another person, you know, who's in a state of comfort and they come round and they embrace you in a really warm hug. That is inclusion. You know, you're standing on the outside. Let me bring you in. Mm. It's not me knocking on the sidelines going, can I please come in and can I be yeah. included? Because when I do that, when you, when you do do that, you also feel like you've got to prove your place, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a, a massive drop of workplace psychological safety there because you've got to constantly be proving your worth, not that you should, but that's what ends up happening from a psychological perspective. But when people of power bring you in, they open the doors and say, hey, Julie, I see you, I want you, I appreciate you. I see everything that you bring to the table and so here's your moment and I want you to, to, to share that with the organisation or with the world. That's when you feel included and that inclusion creates a level of empowerment which enables you to make your impact. Yes, yes, yeah, once again, so well explained. If there's something I've learned from my cancer diagnosis, it's that life is short and we all have a choice about how we live and lead. When life throws you lemons, you crack open the GNT. My inspiring keynote designed for leaders and those who know that we are all leaders. The day my life changed forever, how to be the leader of your own life has been described as life-changing, both personally and professionally. And I am now delivering this presentation to corporations, associations, and teams across Australia. If this is something that interests you, you can find out more via my website, juliehyde.com.au. So if we want that to happen in the workplace, what is something that every individual can do to influence the change? Because when you speak to people, they do want this to change, particularly, of course, women, because they want to be heard more. They want to be seen more. And as you said, they need to have the role models in these influential places that they can aspire to be like. So, you know, someone like you, who's, you know, sort of paved the way, but have created the space for other women to think, wow, Shivani's done that, I can do that too. But if they can't see it, they can't be it. And this Mm. is something that I also hear from a lot of women in their organisations, particularly, you know, in male-dominated industries where they're like, "I I, I just don't see it, so I just don't feel like I can. Yeah, and that's that, as you said, Julie, that lack of sense of belonging, that lack of sense of permission 
we don't give ourselves permission because we don't see that someone else has done it and they've done it effectively and it sort of stands in our own way. That's where the visibility comes into play. When you have more diverse leaders in visible roles, that's when you get that greater sense of inclusion, that greater sense of belonging. So, you know, I firmly believe that inclusion cannot happen from the bottom up. It has to happen from the top down. But, you know, what we could do individually in order to motivate and influence our leaders to be more inclusive is to actually agitate for it and Mm. to, you know, ask our leaders, you know, what is it that you're doing around building greater inclusive practices in this organisation? What does that mean to you? Where is that on the agenda? And to actually ask those questions. I remember when I was in a corporate role and we had one of the board of directors, you know, come in to do a bit of a meet and greet. He was doing a a road trip. So he was going across to all the different, you know, corporate sites and, you know, doing a hello and, and you know what this is like, Julie. So, you know, you know, everyone's on their best behavior. Everyone comes in that day to work on with their best suits on. The office is really clean that day. And then we have this morning tea and we, you know, we all talk about, you know, half-baked things. And almost everyone's, you know, trying to impress this person. And maybe it was a sense of, you know, I knew that I was going to leave the organization soon. I was going off and starting The Remarkable Woman, which was rebranded and now is known as Eladex. And, you know, the importance of having women in leadership is always of such importance to me. I just didn't have any sense of fear. And, you know, I put a really, you know, hard question to to this person who was on the board of directors and, and said, you know, it's it's great to hear, you know, what's happening in this organization where the future is is sitting. You know, I sit here as a female leader in your in your company, as a diver- as a female leader of, of a diverse background. And I look at the leadership team at an exec level, at a board level, and I simply see men who come from Caucasian backgrounds. I can only imagine that you also would like to see your leadership team reflected in the multiculturalism realms and ratios that Australia has today and where is that on your agenda and there was so much spluttering around oh yes yes this is so important and there's no doubt I mean we've made commitments and HR is you know is very much on this case and and it's so important when you have this discourse that you you are respectful and you allow the person to you know you know talk through all of their reasoning but when he was done I said look that's great that you've got all of those things but is it on your strategic agenda? Because if it's simply something that you think is important and, you know, HR thinks it's important, but if it's not on your strategic agenda as a board, it's never really going to be that important where it's actually going to happen. It'll always get bumped off for something. And importantly, if it is on your agenda, but it's the last action item, then you're probably never going to get to it either because we know meetings run over time. And so you've really got to respectfully challenge and ask these questions so that mm. people go away and they think, and I don't know if it was me who created this change, I certainly wouldn't think it was this one interaction, but I would think he would have gone back and gone, gee, I had all these cushy, wonderful coffees and morning teas and everyone's on their best behavior. And this one woman asked me this question and you know what? I haven't thought about that. And I wonder yeah. if that gave him pause. I wonder if that made him challenge himself and what's important on you know, the board agenda. Because what's really interesting is two years later, that company got a new CEO and she was a woman. And it was the first female CEO they've had. And again, not crediting myself for that, but I think if we all do those things, you will start to plant seed and people will start to realise this is really important. And I can't do a puff PR tour without being asked some of these really important questions. 
Yes. Yes. I love that. And also that you say that you really need to ask these questions respectfully because mm-hmm. you some, if you come at someone in an aggressive manner, you're never going to get your question across in such a way that someone's going to hear. You know, it brings up the defences and, you know, challenges people's ego as well, depending on who you're speaking to. But I feel like, you know, in listening to what you said, this is a really pertinent question that people can ask at interview stage in terms of strategies around inclusion. Is it something that the organisation values? Because you're certainly going to understand if that is true within that organisation or if it's something it comes across as a very scrambled response. Exactly. And when it is a scrambled response, again, you know, this is something that we we also need to be inclusive, right? That we can say, okay, I understand that this is probably something that you weren't prepared for, but I trust that you understand the importance of this to me and to the, you know, to the people within this company and the very necessary growth and opportunity that we have a sizable chance of achieving together and we can only do that if we have a diverse and inclusive organization and you know fine you weren't prepared for this question but is this something that we can collectively work on is this something that I could support you with yeah you know again it's not our burden to bear but I think there is a few of us that need to get up there and say okay let's roll up our sleeves and, and you know clear the path for the next generation yeah and, you know, one thing that really strikes me with you, Shishvani, is you're so grounded in who you are and what you stand for, which, you know, really illuminates that path forward for others to follow and shows what you can do when you are anchored to who you are and are really passionate about the change that you're wanting to create. So, you know, I, I applaud you in what you're doing and also thank you. But in concluding, I would love to invite you to, you know, if, if there's anything else that you would like to share with our listeners today. I know we've sort of gone in a different direction to what we planned, but um, I think this is a really super, super valuable conversation. Yeah, look, it really is. And we certainly did, Julie, but I think it was a really good and important detour. So I'm glad we did what we did. I've referred to research that we are soon to launch. So if you are keen to get your hands on the challenges and opportunities of diversity and inclusion in corporate Australia, we're calling it the Perspex Ceiling and the Illusion of Inclusion. We'll be releasing that soon. So keep an eye on our website, which is elladex.com. Certainly the organisation that I run is Elladex and Julie, as you have introduced, is all about helping people succeed in their lives, their careers and also their, their you know, financial growth. And we also connect them with mentors. So they're most welcome to download our app, which you can find on elladex.com as well. It'll be wonderful to join audiences and include your community in our community. 100%. And I'll be sharing all of those links on the show notes. It's just been such a pleasure to have you on the show today. You are a glowing example of leading you. And thank you for your time. And also thank you for all of your powerful insights. Thank you, Julie. It's been such a pleasure to speak with you. 